I'm Katie J. And I'm Katie H. Welcome to the Katie's. Yes, Katie Hale, indeed. Welcome <laughs> to the Katie's podcast. <laughs> Thanks for uh, tossing us that in the intro. <laughs> we literally sound, you sounded like an AM radio host just now. <laughs> Thank you. It's fantastic. That's my goal in life. I just want to be a radio host. You have achieved it. I don't know Thank if you, you realize, but you do host a show through the airwaves. OMG. <laughs> Pretty crazy. So true. Full circle moment. One step closer to being Frasier, just like I've always dreamed. You are a 60-year-old woman in a 20-year-old body. <laughs> truly, truly, I say to you, that is absolutely accurate. Um, anywho, <laughs> anyways, good morning, everybody. Thanks for tuning in again. Katie and I are here in the studio about to record a couple episodes, and we are so excited about some of the things coming down the pipeline. Yes, we are. Um, and I'm going to leave it at that and be super ambiguous and you can just wait and see. <laughs> but anyways, I'm obviously in a silly, silly goofy, goofy mood, mood this morning. So I'm going to cut through that for a moment and say, Katie Hale, what is something um, you feel like God has been teaching you right now or you're just learning in life? Mm-hmm. A lot of it for me lately has been lessons about like motherhood and parenting and not just like oh like parenting styles things like that but like I was talking to a friend the other day and she was just asking kind of a similar question actually Mm -hmm. and I was reflecting on just we were talking about my son and I I was so emotional (laughs) just how much I love him and it was making me remember how hard things were at the beginning with him and how much I like struggled to feel connected to him and yeah. like bonded. And um, I felt guilty about it all the time. Cause I was mm-hmm. like, you know, I'm, I'm failing him or like, we're not going to have what I see other moms like have with their babies or things like that. Um, and there's like a lot of layers to what was going on there, but I just like have seen the Lord be so, I, I can't think of a way to say it. That doesn't sound cheesy or Christianese or whatever, but like he has truly given everything that I lack to the relationship that I have with my son. And, you know, he's, he's one and a half, like he's a baby, (laughs) but just the amount I've seen, even in the last six months, the amount that I've seen him like do and just give us like out out of abundance, like not because I'm doing anything special or, (laughs) you know, being particularly gracious or loving out of my own strength. Right. But the Lord just like meeting every need and like insufficiency and lack that I had as a mother and like watching him give me like love and patience and grace in moments that I don't have it and watching this like supernatural bond be built between me and my baby where like now it's so intimate and so close that like it's it's teaching me its own lessons about like the love of God and all these things like I don't I don't know if any of this is even tracking or making sense, but um, just reflecting on God's goodness, like his His goodness and his sufficiency for the like very real season that I'm in in my life right now and watching him bring beautiful things out of things that didn't feel so beautiful at certain moments. And um, yeah, I, I'm just reveling in all of that right now yeah. and watching his faithfulness and even just seeing like his hand and 
oh, the people that he's put in my life and my mom and the things that she's learned and gone through that now are able to be poured into me. And just like this, this like all the ripple effects of (laughs) his faithfulness and his plan for me and for my son and way beyond any of that that I can even see right now. And it's just given me so much peace and contentment. Mm. I guess that's that's what I'm learning. Yeah. You know, what about you? I I was thinking about this as you were talking. I think there's a couple of things right now. So I'll just like kind of briefly share both. One is just like the thing that I feel like all of us Christians are always having to like relearn over and over, but just like the concept of surrendering like your plans to the Lord mm-hmm. and like holding things with a loose grip. We talk about this a lot. <laughs> we do. So this is a common theme. With yes, us. we do. Um, but I have been just feeling that lately, like a reminder mm-hmm. of how necessary that is. Yeah. Um, and it's not even like, oh, I have this big plan coming up for my life and like all this stuff. But I feel like it's being revealed in like these small moments of like, oh, I don't have this surrender to the Lord mm-hmm. or I, you know, am not walking in in his will. I'm walking in my own and like hoping that he blesses my will. <laughs> you know mm-hmm. what I mean? And um, so I think the Lord's just been reminding me that his hands are so much more capable than mine and yeah. I should be relinquishing everything over to him. Yeah. Um, and then the other one, I feel like God is really challenging me to have more grace for others Mm. like in in this season of life just like as things come up or even if I'm just interacting with people I don't even like know I think in my mind it's easier to like make a mountain out of a molehill (laughs) than to just have grace that oh this person is flawed just like me and this is literally just an imperfection Mm -hmm. it's not uh, a tirade or a, you know what I mean? A like a, attack, a yeah. personal attack or, you know, this isn't their character. It's just like a moment of discomfort or a moment of like, oh, that was immature. And like, we can move on. You know what I yeah. mean? And so I think that the Lord's been like increasing my grace in this time because I think in those moments, I'm very like aware of like how my heart is responding because it it is so easy to just like write off in moments like that. Like, okay, perfect. Like that's, that's what this person is like, or that's what this interaction is going to be like. But, um, I feel like that, that grace or the capacity for grace growing, um, in those moments. And it's just, it's perspective building. You know what I mean? Like it's not, it's just putting into perspective that I am just as flawed as they are, but I have all the understanding in the world for like why I make passing stupid comments. But if somebody else does, I'm like, oh, oh, well, that's your whole character. And it's like, well, (laughs) it's not my whole character. So I know for a fact it's not theirs, you know? Yeah. And so I think that those are two things that I've just been seeing. And it's not huge or like these things that I'm like, oh my gosh, like this is totally going on right now. But like, it's just things, things I've noticed. Things, things yeah. coming up. Yeah. yeah. Themes and things. <laughs> well, thank you for sharing. Of course. So today we have another one of our more topical episodes for you. And it was my turn and I was thinking on what I wanted to talk about. And I've, in a lot of my own reading and you guys know in the podcast itself, we've been like really digging into some themes and narrative like structures of scripture. Mm-hmm. And Katie and I have talked about doing some episodes along these lines, and I think this is going to be the first of maybe like a little series that Mm -hmm. we're doing on this topic, but I want to go back to Genesis. I want to go back to Genesis one through three and a common theme in our episodes lately has been finding 
the gospel, finding the redemptive plan and story of God in all parts of scripture and how it's all completely interconnected. And that is evident nowhere more clearly than in the very beginning and God's plan and his character and his intention from the literal beginning of creation to um, redeem and restore his people. And this episode specifically, what I want to talk about, which sounds super, super fun, is actually the curses mm. in Genesis 3. Woo, give woo, it up woo. for the yeah, curses. Like, let's talk about some curses. <laughs> um, but I promise it's a lot more encouraging than it seems like it is. So basic summary. And also I, I have a couple resources that I drew from in this um, beyond just my commentaries and things in you know my study Bible. But I will link them for you in this episode because they're really helpful. There's a lot on this topic from really well-researched people that I am drawing from, and I want to make sure they get the credit where credit is due here. So one is the Bible Project, and then one is actually an article from Reformed Theological Seminary and several resources from the Bible Project that are really helpful. They're so good at like the narrative of scripture. So let's get into it, if you don't mind. And I'm not going to read a ton here because this is something you should read for yourself and be familiar with. But in Genesis 1, we have the the creation story. We have the very beginning and we have God speaking and creating the world. And he does it in two kind of categories. He starts with days one through three and he's speaking these like realms into existence, like these parts of the earth and then the um, parts of the universe. And then the second part is God creating the like rulers and the those like, you know, animals and creatures that have like dominion over those different parts of the world. And um from the beginning, here's something that's important to notice about what's happening that you might not just get from a glance over reading is that there is a covenantal kingdom aspect to the way that God works from the very beginning. And so God interacts with his people throughout the whole Bible and throughout all of history by making promises to them and being held to his word. And that is just like solidified and made even more apparent by the fact that he creates the world through his words, like the word yeah. of God and the way that he speaks and the things that he say carry weight. And a lot of this is like in contrast to, you know, the other gods of these like ancient times that would have been known by other pagan cultures who are fickle and, you know, pulling things out of the ocean and like saying things and turning, turning their back on other people and stuff like that. Like yeah. this is a God who speaks and his word is good enough to be trustworthy and to create and to be permanent. Yeah. Um, like his word brings life and we see that through his covenants, exactly. you know, like his covenants bring life. His covenants bring yeah. life. Yeah. Exactly. And another big theme in these first couple chapters is uh, dominion and expansion. And so God like finishes his creation with mankind and he gives them dominion. And um, my commentary basically, like said, he appointed mankind as like co-regents. Like they are appointed to rule over the earth as regents, representatives of God's power. So like a regent would have been an authority figure in a kingdom where like, let's say in Rome, right? Like Rome has this huge empire and Rome is like this little city over here in Italy. And then they have like this empire of hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of miles away over here. And so that he would appoint or the emperor would appoint a regent to rule that area mm -hmm. with the full authority of the emperor himself to like enact Roman laws and order in the land. And so um, that can help us understand what our role as man and woman on the earth is, is to bring the entire earth into the rule and into the authority of God himself. Um, big job, honorable job, exciting job. And was meant to be one that was done in perfect intimacy with God, perfect relationship with God, and also perfect intimacy and relationship with each other. Mm. Beautiful design. I mean, 
idyllic, yeah. perfect, beautiful. And so there's a lot more to say, but we'll save it for another time. <laughs> and I want to read here Genesis 1, 28 through 30. Uh, do you want to read this, Katie? Sure. And God blessed them. And God said to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over every living thing that moves on the earth. And God said, behold, I have given you every plant yielding seed that is on the face of the earth and every tree with seed in its fruit. You shall have them for food and to every beast of the earth and to every bird of the heavens and to everything that creeps on the earth. Everything that has breath of life, I have also given every green plant for food. And it was so. And it was so. So God's blessing to mankind is direct and intimate, and uh, humans are entrusted with the care and the flourishing of the earth. And so that's all. Chapter one is like the overview, and then chapter two is a repetition and a zooming in of the specific creation story of mankind, mm-hmm. um, of that day six of creation. And it's not too you know, um, contradict or undermine anything said in chapter one, but it's, um, first of all, this is, this is a specific type of literature that's happening right here. Mm -hmm. And Genesis one, all of Genesis really, but especially Genesis one through 10. And, um, it's not like giving us like a necessarily, and there's a lot of debate Mm -hmm. on this topic, but it's not meant to say like, okay, here's a scientific text for you to dissect and Mm -hmm. understand what it's saying is a, a narrative picture of here is, who God is here is how he created and what he intended for his creation. Um, And so chapter two zooms in and it gives us a clear understanding of his creation and intention for people, Mm -hmm. which is his highest creation on the earth. And um, in this chapter two, God gives it, the Bible, the author of this chapter depicts um, God establishing the tree of life and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. So that's in chapter two. And then it also is, you know, God, making Adam and giving him a mandate to go and to name and to have dominion over all these animals. And then seeing that, you know, it's not good for man to be alone. And he puts him to sleep and uh, takes out his rib and breathes life. And then there is Eve and she is the, um, uh, she is the helper of Adam and all of these things. So that's all in chapter two. So we, in chapter two, receive a creation mandate for mankind and then a creation order. So the like purposes within the design. Mm-hmm. And something I do want to take a second to talk about here is the tree of life and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And there is probably an entire episode on this subject, but the tree of life here represents abundance and God's eternal life. So God's blessing is his, uh, his expansion and his, his life like throughout the earth. And so the tree of life is a like literal representation of this for mankind to take part in. And then the tree of the knowledge of good and evil is this option, this temptation for mankind to seize abundance and life on our own terms mm. by our own wisdom. And here's where things take a turn. And I'm going to read this here, but we're going to read an excerpt of Genesis 3, but basically you all know the story. Uh, a serpent is in the garden and basically causes Eve to question the the character of God, the goodness of God, saying he's he hasn't told you the whole story. Like you're not going to die if you eat this fruit or whatever. Again, read it for yourself. But, um, Adam is with Eve and Eve eats of the fruit and then offers it to Adam and he eats of it as as well. And they immediately are filled with shame. They acknowledge their nakedness. They go and hide from God. God in that moment could have just smited them and (laughs) completely, um, 
punish them because he told them like basically this means death. If you choose to eat from this tree, it's going to mean death for you. And so he had every right to kill them immediately. Mm. Instead, he goes out and calls for them and says, where are you? Like he, they're hiding from him and he gives them the chance to come out to him and they come out and the blame game starts and all this stuff happens. But here is where we have the curses where God is now going in order of offense. And so he starts with the serpent and giving proportionate punishment in accordance to each offense. And so uh, we're going to start in Genesis 3, verse 14 here. The Lord God said to the serpent, because you have done this, cursed are you above all livestock and above all beasts of the field. On your belly you shall go and dust you shall eat all the days of your life. I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your offspring and her offspring. He shall bruise your head and you will bruise his heel. To the woman, he said, I will surely multiply your pain and childbearing. In pain you shall bring forth children. Your desire shall be contrary to your husband, and he shall rule over you. And to Adam he said, Because you have listened to the voice of your wife, and you have eaten of the tree of which I commanded you, you shall not eat of it. Cursed is the ground because of you. In pain you shall eat of it all the days of your life. Thorns and thistles it shall bring forth for you, and you shall eat the plants of the field. By the sweat of your face you shall eat bread till you return to the ground, for out of it you were taken, for you are dust, and to dust you shall return. So curses here are representative of the pe- people being handed over to the consequence of their choices. Yeah. Um, and in the Bible, there's, there's curses throughout. So this is important to understand that it's, it's not God um, being vengeful or any of those things. It is an appropriate consequence for the decision to sin. Yeah. You're being handed over to just the exact, the result of your own choices. Exactly. It's, it's not um, cruel and unusual exactly. for God to exact these things. Yeah. And this passage of curses, like you can see a common theme here that all of this punishment leads to scarcity, to struggle and to toil. So exactly the opposite of what God's intention and his design was for the earth, for the garden, for mankind itself. And an important thing to note here is that God curses specifically the serpent and he curses the ground. He does not curse Eve mm-hmm. and he does not curse Adam. Um, they are merely bearing the consequence and the punishment of those decisions that they yeah. have made, but they are not cursed themselves. Important. Yeah. There's distinction there. Uh, but I want to go through really fast here and kind of talk about what the specific curses or punishments are in this and explain it. Um, so the serpent, he is the highest offender. He is the one in open rebellion. The serpent here is representative of Satan. But an interesting thing to note here is that the serpent itself is cursed and like Satan is not specifically named or anything, but it's all meant to be understood as this is bigger than just this, this creature. Yeah. Um, that this creature has been like possessed or taken over or, um, used by Satan himself Mm -hmm. to enact rebellion against God. And so his punishment, his curse uh, is to slither on the ground, basically, which means groveling, humiliation, and defeat. And these, again, are symbolic meanings for Satan yeah. um, himself of the literal curse on the serpent. So uh, no question is raised to the serpent, first of all. In, in this chapter, God asks questions of Adam. He asks questions of Eve. He is still relational to them. He doesn't ask any questions of the serpent. He understands his open rebellion. He underst- his, his position is final. There's yeah. no redemption there. Um, because of the choices that he has made and yeah, there's, there's no hope for pardon. Like this is, this is final. And 
what's interesting here, and we're going to get into this more later, is that his his curses are actually like um, blessings for mankind. Like they actually can be flipped to be understood as a blessing um, for man and woman, even in the midst of their sin. So we'll get there. Just hold on. Woman's um, punishment, like her, the rewards she's reaping or the choices she's made here include, first of all, a confirmation of the created order. It like affirms her role and her design within creation to um, be a helper to Adam and Mm -hmm. to bear children and to be part of this like bringing the prolific dominion of God into the world. Um, So God's saying that's not taken from you. Like the purpose I've given you, the way I've created you, none of that has changed. But unfortunately, because of the divide between us, here's what's going to happen now. And so it's four things. It's pain in childbirth, pain in bringing forth children. And the version I read said desire contrary to your husband, but it's translated a few different ways into, you know, desire for your husband, different, different contexts here. And we'll get to it. And then the the other, the last part of this is that your husband shall rule over you. And so we're going to start with the pain part of this, the pain in childbirth Mm -hmm. and specifically the pain in bringing forth children. And the pain here is not entirely literal. Obviously, there's pain involved in birthing children. I can speak to that. But the pain here in the, the word that's being used here refers a lot more strongly to grief, to, mm-hmm. to sorrow, to dissatisfaction in the bearing of children. And I want to read a quote by Matthew Henry here. The sorrows of childbearing are here multiplied not only the travailing throes, but the indispositions before for its sorrow is from the conception and the nursing toils and vexations after. And after all, if the children prove wicked and foolish, they are more than ever the heaviness of her that bore them. So there's a lot of uh, old timey language here, but (laughs) let's, let's break it down a little bit. What, what Matthew Henry is saying is that, um, yes, there are like literal pains involved with, you know, sickness and disease and things don't always go right and your body changes and blah, 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 and nursing and all this stuff. But what he's saying is like dissatisfaction within that in the immediate, but then also the reality that under this new sin filled world, our children will disappoint us. Our children, like even Eve is promised that she will, we're going to get to this too, but that she's going to bear a seed that is going to like that is going to defeat the serpent, yeah. that there will be good seed and remnant promised to her in her line. But clearly we see in like literally the next chapter, yeah. being unable to for children that not all of her seed is good, that you have children that are going to choose wickedness. You have children that are going to stray. You have families that are going to be broken. This, yeah. this is pointing back to pain and also to broken relationship, the breaking yeah. of that intimacy. And that ties really well into the next part with the the brokenness and intimacy in the relationship with her husband, that mm-hmm. this is the consequence that she's also going to bear. And the element here of like ruling over points to discord in the marriage relationship, a breaking of intimacy and a perversion of the created order that brings more grief. It implies a yearning and a craving for that which may not live up to hopes or expectations, mm-hmm. which I think we all can relate to that feeling, right? That that longing, that hunger for something that will satisfy us yeah, um, or something that will look a certain way that doesn't when we get there. Or, you know, you, we watch marriages fall apart all the time. We've watched throughout history, these kind of things in the created order be perverted and women be subjected in a way that is not godly. And um, we've also watched women rise up against that and have some righteous anger and also some that is completely contrary to God's design and God's order. And, All of this here shows that, hey, 
your, your purpose, the blessing over you to be fruitful and to multiply the blessing over you to have a remnant and a seed protected. Um, again, we're going to get there, but it's all remains like none of that goes anywhere. However, it's going to look different than it could have if you had been obedient in the beginning and there's going to be division because of it. So I don't know if you have any comments there. Well, I'm just thinking this whole time, you know, we've heard the creation story. We've heard this story so many times. Um, and it's easy to like kind of gloss over it all like, okay, yeah, we get it. Eve was disobedient and Mm -hmm. God cursed us. And now, you know, all this stuff, Mm -hmm. but it is genuinely just so important to recognize that we are still walking out what God set out for us. Mm -hmm. Like you're saying, like the role of a woman is the same as it was in the garden Mm -hmm. (laughs) as it is now. Um, and we kind of talked about this in our, uh, our work episode. Mm-hmm. Does God want me to work hard? Work was always part of the plan, yeah. but the fall made it made it a burden. Exactly. You know, and we see this that exact concept just in what we're talking about right now. Exactly. And I feel like I just I keep getting this picture of like God standing between us and all of the consequences of mm-hmm. our own will. And then the second Adam and Eve chose their own will, it's like he steps away. Well, and you know what this all goes back to? He, his word from the beginning, his word of blessing and mandate over them still Mm -hmm. stands Yeah, because his word is perfect and he is a covenantal God and he is good. None of that is revoked. Yeah. However, there is still room for you to eat of the bad fruit that you planted, like when, when you plant it. Right. So, and well, I mean, we can think about this in, in new Testament language as well. You know, Mm -hmm. God is holy. He cannot be in the presence of sin. And that is why we needed forgiveness and we needed Jesus to die on the cross for our sins and Mm -hmm. all of this stuff so that we could be again in perfect communion with God. And we see that, you know, if God all of a sudden seems distant in this passage, that's why, Mm -hmm. you know, we just introduced literally evil and sin into the world. And we expect our holy God to, right. you know what I mean, be in, be in the midst. Yeah. Or, and he is in the midst, but you know what I mean, be in the throes of it. And that's just not reality. We yeah. we can't have our cake and eat it too. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I don't know. It's, Until he makes a way. Yes, which is what we're exactly. So two things, these are total tangents, but I think are worth talking about here. As girls having a podcast about these yeah. things, uh, there's two misconceptions or bad interpretations of this that I have seen people believe or, you know, that we've seen. One is that this is not saying that it is okay. There is a created order. I, I'm complimentarian. Mm-hmm. There is a, there is a created order, um, within marriage specifically mm-hmm. that God has created where, yes. <laughs> um, the man is the head of the marriage relationship and we can, get into the nitty gritty of what that looks like and why it's not oppressive and blah, blah, blah. And Mm -hmm. we don't need to do that right now. But this is not saying, Hey, this is okay. God is saying that man will be the master of his wife for all of time. And now this is the way it is. That's not what this is saying. Um, this is saying, Hey, there's going to be perversions now in the way that I've created this to be because of sin. The second thing is that the whole pain and childbirth thing, like the actual physical act of childbirth doesn't have to be something that we fear or are afraid of or is punishment. There is every, even just like, let's go into basic biology, physiology for a second. Even in the like sinful reality that we live in, in the broken world and the consequences that we suffer, God has like made us 
beautifully. Like he's mm-hmm. made us perfectly. There are so many like mechanical parts of labor where it is euphoric. It is beautiful. Like the bonding and the perfect like way that God has created like our hormones and our body to work with the baby and all of these things. Like yeah. there is beauty in it. And it, it's, this is not saying that like, Hey, birth is meant to be this scary, awful thing that you have to suffer through. Mm-hmm. Um, I just don't feel like we need to accept that as yeah, <laughs> reality. No. Anyway, tangent, but I think it's important. So we're going to move on to man's consequences. And again, at the beginning of his are a confirmation of his created mandate to tend the earth and to labor over it, which again, good thing, mm-hmm. not a bad thing, but there's kind of three consequences for him which is pain in his labors, pain in his work, which similarly to the woman, pain yeah. in her labors, pain in her work, thorns and thistles in the ground, which was not would not have been part of right. um, reality. And like then the actual ground is working against, against God's And pushing order. back against yeah. God's order, that it is now a battle. And the last part is no earthly rest from toil. And in that is also death. So, Work itself, just like you said before, and we have a whole episode on this, was not and is not punishment. However, in the fall, its efficacy and the satisfaction from it are diminished. And it's it's sad. Like we we all, I think, have desires to do something that matters and to have a life that is meaningful and to find our purpose and to do something that lasts beyond ourselves. Um, and that's a good thing. We were created to be that way. And the struggles yeah. and the the toil and the suffering within that is directly from the fall. Another thing here is that it, it just makes me think, what would, what would work be like Yeah, in a world without sin, you know? Well, it would probably be more like communion with the Lord. Right. You know what I mean? Like I think about if the effects of this curse are uh, a war waged the on our and work, the vessels, yeah. then doing it without that would be just like harmony and communion with God while doing it. Yeah. So I don't know. It is super interesting. And thinking about like, it's, there's a lot of debate on this too, but it's like what that like untamed nature. Right. And that's not just literal. It's also symbolic, but what would it be like without that encroaching on the dominion of, of mankind and the dominion of God's kingdom and rule on the earth. And um, just interesting to think about, but Another thing that happens here is Adam's existence, like it's being told to him, like you are going to be plagued just like women by dissatisfaction. You're going to be plagued by things not living up to your expectations. You're going to have this longing. Uh, I think C.S. Lewis talks about this, right? Mm -hmm. Like that hope defer, like we have that longing that none of us can explain within ourselves. That's part of this, but also he's revealed to be finite, that death is his only rest from this toil, which this is actually the grace of God here. Even in death being a punishment for sin here, God delays the execution of the penalty that was promised to Adam for his sin. He delays the execution. Like he, God had said, if you eat of this, you will surely die. And so he had every right to enact that punishment immediately. Exactly. To enact that punishment immediately. And yet, he delays it because he has a greater work to accomplish and because he is gracious. Mm-hmm. So that's the 30,000 foot overview of what's going on there. But what I want to talk about now is the hope in all of this that I promised you is that the curses here are actually the first steps towards the covenant of grace that God mm-hmm. brings about and satisfies through Jesus Christ himself. Yeah. Um, 
there is so much hope here. And there, I, like, I think now I'm just going to go through kind of in order, but there's, there's blessings within these specific curses. And like I said, in the curse of the serpent specifically, there is like great hope. Like this is actually referred to as like the first gospel presentation here in Genesis 3:15, where the serpent is being cursed because what is promised to mankind and to woman is that a just war with a decisive victory between man's offspring and the serpent is going to be fought and to be won. Yeah. And incredible, like incredibly hopeful. And God is like promising that he is going to reserve a remnant through the seed of the woman who sinned big time, like Mm -hmm. who rebelled against him and partnered with the serpent who is cursed forever. She is not cursed or revoked of her God-given order and creation and all that stuff. But God says, you know what? Yes, there's going to be struggle and yes, there's going to be difficulty and yes, there's going to be broken relationships and all these things. But I am a God in my word and I will protect a seed from you to bring about my purposes and to bring about the restoration of all mankind. Incredible. Like so, so crazy. Another thing that I thought was really interesting here, and this is from the article from Reformed Theological Seminary that I am going to link, but it was talking about how specifically where, let me, let me find it because it's important to see. In Genesis 3.15, it's talking about enmity, enmity between the offspring of woman and the serpent itself. And when Eve sinned, when she partnered with the serpent, she like aligned herself with him and God declaring this like just war and this enmity between the serpent and the offspring of, of Eve is actually like driving a wedge and like putting a barrier between the soul of the woman and the serpent. Like, so it's actually saying like God is like by his grace protecting woman and her offspring from like aligning themselves in like an eternal (laughs) um, connection to an alignment with the serpent and with Satan. So I don't know if that makes sense. This is what I'm saying. Making sense. Yeah. Yeah. Even that is like provision and grace. And so this begins like the process of healing woman's heart from her rebellion. And it gives her an actual role in that redemption story itself. And it promises her the good seed that we talked about, that remnant of hers that is going to go forth and right the wrongs that she has done and to flip the evil of the serpent and the rebellion of the serpent on its head. And we know this is Jesus. This is, this is the seed of Adam is Jesus. But, um, think about through all of, like we've talked about in so many of our stories so far, but think about the way that God uses and like draws people to himself from all different nations and tribes and tongues and uses them even in just like the actual physical line of Jesus, like Rahab and you know all these people that God like calls into his into his family into his kingdom of the line of Adam and Eve because they're yeah. the father mother of all creation and uses to accomplish his purposes like it's it's hopeful and it's beautiful and like I said before Genesis three fifteen is referred to a lot of times as the first gospel presentation um, so it shows that God's heart and his inclination towards man is goodness and justice and mercy even at the lowest yeah. possible point for Mm. all of creation when it is when it is broken and divided another thing that I think is super interesting here that was pointed out in that same article that I just linked Adam immediately names Eve after all of these curses and punishments are divvied out so he names her and her name means life so what's happening here is this shows that Adam understood like the promises like he heard God he said I hear what you're saying 
I actually see what you're talking about. I'm instead of like more shame and any of these things that could have come about from this, where it's, you know, him taking this on is like, now I must like whip myself. And, you know, he's saying, no, God has promised life. God has promised goodness, um, even from this and names Eve symbolically and shows that Adam understood the promises and the faithfulness of God, even in his punishment and even in his justice. So life and restoration and the fulfillment of those promises of God, like those are the long game. Yeah. And Adam understood that and was ex- like expressing it in that yeah. moment. So yeah, there's some hope there for real. Yeah, absolutely. The The fact that our like iniquity and our sin and the results of that can cohabitate with God's plan for redemption and yeah. victory and salvation is just um, the ultimate picture of his goodness. Yeah. It's what makes him good, yeah. you know? Well, he makes himself good because he is just goodness. But yeah. I don't know. Just the that picture is amazing. We just see it in every story, in every encounter mm-hmm. throughout the Bible. I mean, this is the overarching theme we keep talking about. We just talked about Samson and we just talked about Esther and it's these people who are living lives fully marked by this fall, Mm -hmm. fully marked by the curse. You know, they're walking out in their iniquities and God is still bringing about this plan Mm -hmm. to to raise up a savior from Adam and Eve. Yeah, a second Adam (laughs) Yes, from their seed. Exactly. He could have wiped it all out. Like he could have started over and said this isn't working. (laughs) Yeah, but he still, he saw them as something worth saving and preserving and using and moved forward in that. You know, I I really do think it would have been so easy for him to wipe that and us to not have a Genesis account and Mm -hmm. uh, him just start over and whatever. Because if you think like the ultimate goal of our lives is to bring glory to God and he could have done that in a robotic way where we didn't have any choices or anything, but he chose to use Adam and Eve despite their iniquities. Yeah. And that that is the theme we of the Absolutely. Bible. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like Absolutely. And he had great compassion on them and yeah. treated them justly, even in in great disappointment and in great brokenness between the two of them. And like he he clothes them. And this yeah. is another like pointing to his ultimate plan. He sacrifices an animal to make clothing to cover them, to cover mm-hmm. their shame, just as Christ would be sacrificed to cover and to satisfy our debt of sin and our shame mm-hmm. before the Lord. And like you were saying, we've talked about in talking about Deuteronomy and Judges and yeah. like all of these stories of the Old Testament where we're just like banging our heads against the wall, like, mm. gosh dang, like you guys do not get it, just like we don't. But like you guys do not get this. God continues to bless and place his blessings on his people, even in their iniquity, even in their faithlessness, uh, to send out blessings and a reversal of the curse to all the nations. That's yeah. his end goal. That's what God has accomplished through the de- life and death and resurrection of Jesus. He has sent out his blessings. He has continued his expansion and his dominion and his prolific expansion and reversing the curse to all the nations of the entire world in a way that perfectly satisfies every debt that has been made between us and him. And the thing here that is like the, the lesson for us, I guess, and this is going to lead into some conversations that we'll have down the road. Yeah. But like I said, the life and death and resurrection of Jesus, what it did was bring the kingdom of heaven to earth. Yeah. It brought the spirit of God to earth 
to the hearts of mankind. And this means that we who have received forgiveness and redemption and our names are written in the book of life, right? We have access to this kingdom. We have access to the blessings and restoration of God in this life, yeah, not just in heaven. And this is kind of like basic gospel stuff, but you guys, if you don't understand this, you are missing the point. Yeah. <laughs> like God, Jesus has made a way for the kingdom of God, for that garden to be expanded upon the earth, even now, like before he returns again, like we are able to carry his kingdom into the earth wherever yeah. we, wherever we go. And we live in a world that is marred by the effects of the curses for now. Like we will until yeah. it's all done and the final like victory is won. But now we carry with us God's spirit and power to bring the kingdom of God forth into the earth and to bring the earth into subjection once more. We are regents of a perfect kingdom with authority to establish God's order wherever we go. Yeah. Wherever we go in our homes and our families in our neighborhoods, and our communities, and our churches, like what we are doing is so much bigger than trying to live a good life, than trying to be better, than trying to stop lying, than trying to stop those sins and yeah. looking at the stuff I don't want to look at and blah, blah, blah. Like that's all little like pieces of the puzzle. But we are in a war yeah. to regain territory, to take dominion, to push back the kingdom of darkness and to bring the light of Jesus Christ into the world because he's going to win in the end and he has partnered yeah. with us now to establish that as his regents, as he originally intended. Yeah. So amen. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. <laughs> That's the point. That yeah. is what this whole Bible, the whole story of God is telling us is this plan that God had through Jesus, that no work of darkness, no work of the enemy could overcome yeah. that it thought it had won, that it thought Jesus was dead, that it thought they had, they had like finally accomplished what they had wanted. That Satan had had the victory and it's all futile. He's yeah. lost. Well, and I think even in what you're talking about is it's not, you know, those little battles that we have or those uh, little sins, but it, each one of those moments where we reject yes. death and take on life, we are taking part in the victory of it Jesus. It is the dominion of the kingdom of God on earth. Like right. even those little things, exactly like you're well, saying. Well, absolutely. Even those little things, but also those little things are not little. They're battles mm -hmm. in the midst of a war. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like every, and that should be, that should serve as an encouragement. Yeah. Like if you are struggling, if you are fighting against all these things and it does feel like a chore or a to-do list to do all of these things, to be a good Christian, you are missing the point. Yeah. And this is a war and those are battles and those are important because we have the victory of Jesus mm -hmm. living within us. We are right. partaking in that victory with him. And well, so- we have, Exactly. I'm so sorry to cut you off. I was just like, we specifically, all of us, have a created order and mandate that has not changed since the garden that we like we have a role in this we yeah. are not passive observers no, no man is a passive observer in this in this story in this war and we were never over. meant to be and we were never meant to be even in perfection we were never meant to be no passive observers so. never so there you go <laughs> that's that's a uh, our little spiel, that's our gospel presentation for yeah. you today. But the gospel is so much bigger than, um, like, it is, I was a sinner yeah. and now I am saved. Like, I was lost and now I am found. All of that is true. Yeah. And this is why. Like, this is why and this is where it's going. And this is the hope that we have. 
And all of these things in life that are fleeting and momentary, like they're real and they're painful. Yeah. And God acknowledges that and is compassionate towards it. And also, um, sometimes we have to lift our eyes and lift our perspective and uh, go to the word of God to be reminded of the actual power and authority of the God that we serve and that we have been given and yeah. are able to take part in. So yeah, absolutely. there you go. Absolutely. We want this conversation to continue and it will continue in various episodes. Um, but this is all like big picture kind of high level, not high level, but it is, it feels high level mm-hmm. um, stuff. And so if you're like, confused or you have questions like we want to be researching that with you Mm -hmm. and figuring that out with you so you can email us those questions um at the katie's podcast at Mm gmail.com or reach out to us on instagram at the katie's podcast and we want to address all confusion or questions and and kind of sort through that together so uh reach out we do love hearing from you guys And we can't wait to talk to you again next week. Talk to you soon. Bye.